You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Okay, it's recording. If it doesn't work, we're not doing it again. Um, You ready? Yep. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message with Jason. And Chris. Here we are. What's this? Are you excited for uh, soccer season to start next week? Did you see they announced Ted Lasso Season 3? Really? It has nothing to do with well, one <laughs> anything of, um, you just said. Judah's um, on his basketball team. One of the uh, parents is a coach, soccer coach. Really into soccer. He tells he tells me Judah has a soccer run, which Judah doesn't really pick up his feet when he runs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think he has a cartoon character run. <laughs> but you're telling me this could be athletic. Yeah. So he wants, he's like, I think I can turn him into a soccer player. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, he hasn't played the others. He's played soccer. He has played soccer. Yeah. So um, anyways, I was telling him, I said, well, have you not watched? He hasn't watched Ted Lasso yet. I'm like, you've got to. If you're a soccer coach, yeah, you got oh, to yeah. watch this uh, show. So, um, but anyways, the MLS starts next Saturday, and I only say that because it's the whole season's on Apple TV. Oh, and I didn't know there's that. no blackouts. And I'm like, you know what? I've told you, I'm done with Major League Baseball till they're they end the blackouts. You know, me and the Six to seven other Cincinnati Reds fans that still exist. Brian White is Mm -hmm. one of them. He is. Um, He might still track. I'm done with it. I'm not even. I'm not checking the score. They have a lot of new rules this year. Good. The rule is me (laughs) not watching it. Okay. Well, I the MLB TV they're including all the minor league games this year. I thought they did that before, but okay. Well, if they did, see, they're just trying to trick me. Like (laughs) this is something new. I'm not watching it. I'm done. I'm not going to check the score. I'm not going to read Red's news. I'm, this is okay. my season of boycott. I'm tired of trying to to watch a team, you know? Like, I'm willing to pay. Or at right. least, you know, use your free account. <laughs> we'll have to see if they keep doing it. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, speaking of sports, we had the Super Bowl. On Sunday, and since we finished last week with a commercial question, we're kicking off this week with a commercial question. There was plenty of good ones and interesting ones. This is one of them. What do you think of the He Gets Us Super Bowl commercials? If people don't know what we're talking about, you either didn't watch Super Bowl or I guess you could watch them on YouTube. He Gets Us, they're kind of like commercials about jesus in their mind so what do you think about them was that a good thing bad thing go for it you're talking about i i didn't see them during the game i had to go look them up okay um i you know the one before i get into it the there were two different ones okay Uh, the one about the um he loves your enemies yeah i didn't think that one was too bad okay uh, of the two, the other one I thought was <clears throat> ludicrous. Which one? The we should act like children or something to that oh, effect. I don't know. I didn't watch. 
You didn't watch them? I didn't. I don't remember. I've oh. seen... Actually, I watched several of them before the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I've seen them. the buzz was like, hey, they're going to... I... You know. Other than that one I just mentioned, I didn't really care for any of them. I'd, right. I think... What was the word I was going to say? They're emotionally driven, I think. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, they're trying to trick you into following Jesus or something. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> You're like, you like that? What's well, yeah. Jesus? It's Jesus. What do you so... think? He, he gets you. Yeah, I I mean, after the Super Bowl, there were articles like from both. And it didn't make anyone happy. Right. You're, yeah. The left was mad. The right was mad. It was um, kind of ironic and... I think the, the at least the intention of the commercials of like we're you know we're gonna really reach everyone and everyone's like we don't like it you know <laughs> well, yeah so. and like none of them they're trying to reach all these people but with what there's no there's no I mean I, and I haven't gone to the website to see what's yeah. there but in the commercial there's no I mean there's not a, not that I'm seeing a gospel message there's no talk of sin or or any of this or changing your life it's oh Jesus gets you you know you know well. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I for anyone that um, cares, you can look there's a little thing you could search. It's seven problems with he gets us campaign with mm-hmm. Natasha Crane and she has some really good thoughts on that. Um, I'm not for the sake of time not going to read them all, but some of them said Jesus is presented as an example, not a savior, mm. which I thought was um, helpful. And the campaign stated goal is about inspiration, not saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So um, I think for me, I, I almost have, and you've alluded to it, more issues with paying millions of dollars to show a commercial during the Super Bowl about Jesus that doesn't like even include the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, like you spent all of that and it was like the whole, you missed why he came. Yeah. You know, like even the whole Philippians passage about he getting us or that Christ can empathize with, with what we're going through is about the gospel. Um, so, I don't know. I will say this, and we'll move on. We live in a hyper-cancel culture, mm-hmm. and this might come up again later, um, but uh, which is annoying. I think rather than both sides are just trying to cancel each other, especially on something like this, yeah. it wouldn't hurt to listen to someone that liked those commercials and think, why did you like them? Um, even if they're completely wrong, you learn some empathy. I think even on the conservative side, which I'd say me and you are, uh, you can learn that maybe, like maybe we're not being as patient and kind and loving as we think we are. And that message resonates with people because they don't feel like they're being cared for. Um, and I know there's, whole bunch of baggage with that but i don't know if you've heard this this is a cliche saying i heard it in student ministry all the time um but i still think it's true the cliche saying is people don't people won't care what you have to say until they know that you care 
mm. something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe mm. we're just lacking in that area. You know, what's the point of being right if you know people aren't even listening to you because you're not even you don't even like attempt to care about what's going on in their life. Right. So that's true. So, anyways, Chris and I don't like those commercials. No, I'm just <laughs> just be nice to each other, I suppose. And um, but all right, well, at least it got us talking about Jesus one way or another. That's true. Hey, um, took the focus off of the chosen for a few days. That's for sure. Yep. And and <laughs> well, uh, let me tell you the big redeeming factor about the Super Bowl. Uh, it was Chris Stapleton. You didn't like that? Would you just roll your eyes? Chris Stapleton. He's from Lexington, Kentucky. It's my stomping grounds. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, it wasn't David Crowder. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was good. You didn't think it was a good? I don't know that it was all emotionally. Have you seen the picture of this guy like crying? Yeah, the Eagles coach. Yeah, I think he was more emotional that like I can't believe I'm coaching I'm the coaching. Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was. You don't think it was. The I one. I just I think people appreciated it because as much as things are taken over the top with the Super Bowl, it's just a guy in electric guitar singing a clean, simple version. Um, of the national anthem, which is an incredibly difficult. Um, do you remember? That we all right. I'll just say this, and then we gotta move on. Do you remember when Isaac last summer? Uh, I remember, I wasn't there, but I remember him singing at the baseball field. All right, so he's. I think maybe he sang the first. But anyways, he was asked to sing. He's done it twice now, hasn't he? Okay, well, this is the second time. Okay, this past summer, um, he goes out on the field to sing the national anthem. And at the Elizabethan... It was the River, River Riders, Riders now, I guess. Uh, she hands him his mic. He goes to walk out. And they start playing the national anthem over the speakers. <laughs> and he just stands there awkwardly on the field with the mic and then hands it back to her and walks off. And I was like, that is the funniest thing they I've seen. They played it pre-recorded? Yeah, they... With a voice? No, it wasn't a oh. voice. It was just all instrumental, and the lady didn't realize like that they were gonna do that, and she's yeah, it was so awkward, and <laughs> I just I loved it. I loved it. It was fun to. I said that was that was the best you ever sang. <laughs> this is the best day ever. <laughs> this is the best national anthem. It's such a hard song to sing. Oh, yeah, but I felt bad for him. He just stood out there with the mic and. Then walked off. Rising. I know. It was funny. All right. Let's talk Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 10, 2 through 27. Yep. It was on par with being just as long as last <laughs> week's. Um, I answered the question, what do you need to be saved? Now, maybe to set that up, I had shared, like, that's not what that passage answers. That's not the question it answers. But pulling from Saul's anointing to answer this question, what do you need to be saved? All right. Kicking it off with you, Jason. If God asked you why he should let you into heaven, what would you say? Well, I say, you get me, right? You get you get us? That's what they told me at the Super Bowl, that you get us. I thought, you know. <laughs> no. Um 
You know, I started bringing this question up a lot. Uh, there was Mark Franzine in our last church, uh, a very godly, humble, elder, quiet guy, um, loved Wayne Grudem's systematic mm-hmm. theology book and uh, every membership class. So I guess I guess we interviewed people there like we did here, but they did a full-blown membership class before you could join the church. Okay. And if Mark was in this meeting, Mark was going to ask this individual or the couple that question. Like, if God, if you were to die today and you were to ask why you should be let in it heaven, what should question. you... It was his go-to um, question. I think he had heard it from someone in the past. And it was astonishing. Like, the answers were never right. <laughs> never. They were never right. And wow. I think it... I think that kind of question <laughs> exposes some unspoken things that you thought in if that well i guess that would be unspoken but you know what i mean <laughs> the things that you like you really believe that that maybe you don't say out loud and the nine times out of ten it was about being good mm-hmm. I, I you know i was yeah. good and then people would also of course if if they Grew up in church enough, they would talk about Jesus dying for them, and mm-hmm. but it was in a list. It wasn't. It was oh. among the other yeah. things. And his point and the point is the only answer is Jesus. There's nothing less than that. There's nothing more to that. It's not Jesus. You should let me in because of Jesus. And oh, you know, I did a lot of great things. Yeah. Um, this is John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, there's a really good clip from Alistair Begg that he kind of shares an illustration about that question. Hmm. Um, about, you know, who? how did you get here? Who let you into heaven? Um, it's good. It's, I'll have, to, have you not seen it? Mm-mm. It's one of the good ones. Yep. So, all right. It's Jesus. If you're ever asked that question on this side of eternity, just say Jesus and then sit and wait. <laughs> because that's the only answer you need. Uh, when you get to glory and you're asked, if you're asked that question, just say Jesus. Boom. Yep. And they're like, wrong. And you're like, uh-oh. No, that's <laughs> no I'm joking. <laughs> Wrong, I thought you were... Yeah, all right. Um, The question that you do not want to answer. I had this quote from Martin Luther. Yeah, that you did no explanation on, by the way. That's why we have behind the message is the whole point. Uh, We are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. What does that mean? All right. Having faith and doing nothing is impossible. So you can't have faith and not act on it. If you truly have faith, you do the works of mercy out of love for God. Yep. Are you... No, I think that was a great answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the simple, like, faith without works is dead. I mean, it's, it's not real. And I think to right. your point, um, trying to explain that, it's... If you, it's impossible to have faith and not have works. Mm. So I think that's 
whatever way is helpful for you. No, that's good. You dreaded that, and that was a good, clear, Did simple answer. I literally looked at this question, skipped over it, looked at it again like after lunch, skipped over it. It was literally <laughs> 10 minutes before I had to leave to come to meet you that I answered that. Wow. Well, you were right. Good job. All right, what do you need to be saved? I had three words, mm-hmm. three subpoints. so one, two, three, and then ABC. So, the first one was, you need the Spirit. A, not a rush of the Spirit, but an indwelling of the Spirit. Yep. So, Jason, how did the Holy Spirit impact those in the Old Testament? I did reference this on Sunday, but just for clarification. um, The Holy Spirit would often rush upon someone. You see that with... Samson as a judge that he becomes super strong mm-hmm. um, you see that with Saul uh, who certainly had no business prophesying as some random guy from Benjamin and the spirit rushes up upon him and he prophesies among prophets yeah. um, I didn't go into it more but I think there's clear evidence in the um, creation account, the Holy Spirit is evident in creation. Yeah. So um, the Holy Spirit has a massive impact on the Old Testament as you go through. It's not that it's not like we get to Pentecost and you're like, oh, there's a Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's Holy Spirit has a huge impact throughout the Old Testament and will continue to have influence as we study First Samuel. Um, so for you, I guess, is when did the Holy Spirit indwell believers in the New Testament? Just answered it. I did. <laughs> it's from Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them uh, div- divine tongues as fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Um, I remember growing up in church, we had this like guest preacher. I don't know if he was a revival kind of. I think I think it was one of more the like revival kind of things. And um, <laughs> he he was talking about Pentecost, but he kept saying it like. He kept me like, Pentecost. And so, you know, me and my other dumb friends are sitting in the back of the sanctuary, you know, where we're not, we could not care less what's happening in this church. We're just here goofing off. And then we're like, how many times are you going to say Pentecost? And so we had this tally. We had a list of keeping track of, I guess in some ways it was better than other things we were doing. So... <laughs> Any, I, so I can never hear Pentecost, Pentecost and not think being a, a dumb kid in the back of a church. Speaking of your home state and revival, have you heard about this? Yes, it's coming have up. You? It's coming up okay. in this. Okay, so right. here soon, actually, here soon in this. These questions. All right. Uh, moving on. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna give three um, biblical examples. First one is Ephesians 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, Christ, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. That certainly leans more towards you you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of faith. Um, then we get Acts 2.38. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So certainly it reads like more, you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of baptism. And then we get Acts 19, which is um, a little bit more of a narrative here, starting in verse 2. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized them with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. There's just a few examples uh, that we see in the New Testament. But I would say the pattern certainly shows that we receive the Holy Spirit after we have this genuine faith, genuine belief, and a genuine baptism. Um, but as Na Acts 19 shares, like just because you were dunked under some water doesn't mean it was genuine. Right. Um, are there exceptions? I think there are. Like, I'm still wrestling with this, so if people are going to come after me, after, which I don't, I mean, seriously, how many theologians are listening to this ready to fight me over this question? But I'm still wrestling with this, but I'd say the pattern we see is that you place your faith in Christ, uh, you repent, and then you're baptized, and there's the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Um, can that happen differently? I think so. And we're not even, and we won't even discuss people that believe a second baptism of yeah. the Holy Spirit, which is, I think that's where they would say is in Acts 19. But. Um, just to backtrack for a minute, and it goes along on the lines of this. When I was looking up the question about, you asked about the New Testament yeah. believers, have you read John twenty twenty two? Like recently? Or do or you know, I don't know if you have the Bible <laughs> memorized, but... I don't know, when you were doing your, I didn't know if it popped up for you when you were doing your study in here for this, but it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And it's talking about oh, yeah. Jesus. I don't know if I you've was ever wondering, heard that. Yes, I was That popped um, up several times when I looked that question up as... as um, I think I had preached on it. I, I've heard it preached on... Um, I didn't know if you were going to bring that up when you I wasn't answered. going to until you started it. I was... I wasn't going to until I made me think of it when you just answered your question. You were... <laughs> yeah, I still I think the way I initially explained that um, was that that was not an indwelling. It was still like a temporary rush of the spirit. The indwelling doesn't happen until Pentecost, um, which is then when you get to Peter and he starts speaking to the people. Um, in the book of Acts, the beginning of the book of Acts, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Are you drunk?" You know, like, yeah. Because then everyone is hearing him proclaim the gospel, 
um, in their own language. And there's, there's just this move of power after Pentecost that you see of an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's where I would currently land on that, yeah. John, passage. I just yeah, I do remember that, because that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. All right, so why do we need the Holy Spirit to be saved? I have a ton of scripture here. Uh, I have first... Peter 4.14 says, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. John 3.5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 8.13 For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then I got um, Romans 8.11 If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. All that to say, because we can't save ourselves, and uh, as Scripture plainly spells out, that we need we need the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives mm. to act. That's good. Yeah. I'll take it. So, how does the Holy Spirit move today? Well, you mentioned it, so I'm going to bring it up. Because it's all over my Facebook feed right now. Um, mm. I think we're seeing that right now at a revival in Wilmore, Kentucky, mm-hmm. Asbury University, um, which Corey and I had spent a lot of our dating season going to Wilmore. Oh. Because it's close to our parents, and we'd go down to uh, the bridge and or the playground near the elementary school. We didn't like go on Asbury's campus, but, um, so I would say just because the Holy Spirit now indwells believers, um, I see no biblical evidence uh, that the Holy Spirit stops operating like he did in the Old Testament. Um, and I, I get it. Like I grew up Southern Baptist, um, where I could probably relate to Acts 19, where it was like, hey, no one told me about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, it was just, he just didn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't move. And I have a quote here from, I'll read here in a minute, but actually Mary, Mary Felty asked me about it this morning, about what I thought about Asbury and... Um, I told her I I hate that because of the way I grew up that I've become like so critical and cynical mm-hmm. that my first response is skepticism. Like I I hate that like you see people like these college students and others praying in a service 
And my first response is like, I have a bunch of fakes, you know? Like, or I bet just emotional garbage or, yeah, but they're Methodists, you know? What do they believe? You know, I just, yeah, I just hate that that's my initial thought. It doesn't mean that those aren't important things to wrestle with and thoughts. I just hate that that's the initial thought. Right. Um, So... I'll read here. It might be helpful. Um, Chad Brand, he was one of my undergrad professors, um, taught Baptist history for me, Old Testament class. Um, oh gosh, he helped. It's a pretty common like Bible encyclopedia. His name's on it. Like he, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a smart guy. He's currently. Um, in Facebook jail. I saw his wife posted oh, no. that today. Yeah. He's in Facebook jail right uh-huh. now. He posts some fun stuff sometimes. But <laughs> this is what he wrote on, on the Asbury thing, and I think it's helpful with any move of the Holy Spirit today. He said, Were I at Asbury right now, I would be a participant in the prayer meeting. I would encourage students to seek the Lord, confess their sins, though not every sin needs public confession. Read their Bible, share Jesus every chance they got, and reflect on how renewal affects their moral lives. Just to probe a little deeper, is anyone confessing the sin of homosexuality? Or is that an off-limits in that moderately liberal environment? Are students confessing without naming others to the sin of premarital sex? How about transgenderism? Is anyone falling on their face before God and repenting of their doubts about the authority of Scripture? Have any of the students fallen prey to liberal theology, and are they repenting of that? Or are sins such as these only a matter of some previous cultural captivity of the faith? Genuine revival means calling sin, sin, whatever form it takes, even or maybe especially if it doesn't conform to the modern views that the world has foisted on us. Um, And so I think that was helpful just because the Holy Spirit does move today. Um, and can that be mixed up with some emotional garbage? Of course. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you've been in church long enough, you've seen it. I've been in services where I'm like, I don't know. This isn't the Holy Spirit. I know that. Like, I don't yeah. know what this is, but it's not, this is not the Holy Spirit. Guilt trip. It's a guilt trip. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's, it's something, yeah. but uh, that genuine move of the Holy Spirit, um, it should drive us to repentance and back to the word. Mm. Um, so I think we shouldn't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not be as critical as we are. I'm just talking to myself, you know, so I mean, if let's just say if it was genuine, you know, we don't know that right now in the middle right. of it all, let's just say it was Time will tell, as, as good as it can be of a revival. Like when you look at those pictures and you read those stories, why aren't we thinking like, I, well, like we want that for our church. We want that mm-hmm. for our community. Like, um, rather than just, Oh, that's awesome. Move on. <laughs> that's awesome. Or, you know, or, you know, they're just a bunch of, you know, naive college students you know i just i don't know i i hate that about myself and i don't want that's that's not a right way to think about it so i do have a funny picture 
about the revival. I'll show oh. you. I'll show you here okay. later. So good. Doesn't mean that we can't joke about things. <laughs> <laughs> it's super funny. Um, so, all right. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Let's move on to the heart. Uh, letter B was not just another heart, but a new heart. So, how did Saul have his heart transformed, Chris? Super simple. Short answer, the Spirit of God rested upon him and changed him. God was with him. Yep. For a little bit. Yep. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, Jason, why do we need a new heart? Ephesians 2.1 And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Um, we need a new heart because we had a dead heart. And dead hearts don't need to be motivated. They don't need to be challenged. They don't need to be emotionally encouraged. They don't need um, words of affirmation to keep them going. Mm. Dead hearts are dead. Um, they need. We need a new heart. But with that being said, I need to clarify something. Uh, <laughs> I need to clarify. I I think this was tough for Sunday. Um, because I knew what I meant when I talked about this on Sunday, but I'm not sure how clear it was to everyone else. Um, I think I probably misspoke or at the very least confused people <laughs> at times. Um, I think the Lord, meaning this, the Lord can still speak and touch and move your heart through the teaching of his word today. Yeah. Um, have you listened to the message yet? Yeah. Okay, so I, I had referenced... Uh, people that come up to me and talk yeah. about like that touched my heart. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah, but we need a new heart. And I hopefully I didn't. I don't want to discourage. Like it's okay that that happens. You know, even <laughs> what was which was funny that that Waymaker song. Yeah, talks about God touching our hearts, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> we were the few people were joking about it on Facebook. <laughs> um, I just I I didn't want to discourage that right like there are um like just because something impacts you emotionally doesn't make it wrong i thought you mentioned that yeah but i don't know how clarifying i was with it i i think they're just two separate realities you know like they're two separate issues yeah um like just because and this maybe I, i thought about this more after like just because you feel like a preacher and I listen to preachers like that. You just feel like they can articulate what you feel and think, but struggle to articulate. Like that's why you like listening to them. Mm. They help. It's just not. That's not a bad thing. Like they help um, articulate in a very biblical, saturated way. It's not yeah. just a psychological pep talk. But <laughs> you're like, oh, like that's. That's what I was thinking. I didn't know how to put it. And the way they said it was helpful for you as you grow in your faith and wrestle with the Word. So the Lord can touch our hearts in powerful ways even now. But like the Holy Spirit, that should drive us back to the Word. Yeah. Not this that emotionally impacted me and I feel better and then I go on with my day. It's, well, did it drive you back to the Word? Because if it doesn't, then that wasn't from the Lord. So, <laughs> anyways, if that was clarifying or made it more confusing, who knows? But <laughs> yeah, 
All right. Uh, what does it mean to be a new creation in Christ? I mentioned this. Um, we have means that we have died with Christ, and we no longer live for ourselves. Uh, our old ways are dead. Uh, it's replaced with a new way of living, um, where we're giving glory to God, uh, hating our sin more and more, and um, daily repentance. All that good stuff. Mm. That's good. Yep. That's C.S. Lewis quote. Um, he talked about like we need, like basically like Jesus came to make creatures sons. You said that one. Yeah, I was trying to think of that. Try not to overuse C.S. Lewis quotes. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> think C.S. Lewis was a universalist. I've never. I don't know. I think it could have been at times, but that's right. It's a lot of good things to say here and there. Um, all right. What do you need to be saved last? We saw you had spirit, heart, and you need some evidence or a lot of evidence. So C, yeah. not just temporary obedience, which is kind of the pattern we see in Saul's life, but a lifetime. Why didn't Saul... This is kind of left field, and I don't threw this in there because it was... There were several things that I didn't walk through on Sunday yeah. in the in the story that I was like, this message is gonna be two hours, um, <laughs> you know. But I do find it interesting. Like Saul tells his uncle about the donkeys, but he doesn't tell him anything yeah. about this kingdom. Why do you think that is? Um, well, I I went back. I listened to the sermon. I read um, I read the scriptures, and um, it di- didn't really say anything. So I, right. I went and looked at some commentaries online. Um, so looking over several commentaries, they attribute attribute it to Saul's modesty. Mm-hmm. Um, he may not have told his relatives because they, they might not have believed him. Um, it may have caused envy in them. Uh, but he also knew that Samuel wanted it to be kept a secret as well, I think. Mm. Um, That's a strong point. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. You'll see that... Um, even with David, it's, there's almost there's always like the secret anointing, right. and then a public proclamation. Uh, so even when Saul is still king, God's like, yeah, well, David, you're gonna, you're king now. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a secret yeah. anointing, and then this public proclamation, which even goes back to um, like later on in that passage, they go to proclaim Saul as king. And the passage is, says that he's hidden among the baggage, and the people are like, "We don't know where he is. He got someone else. Like, who who's supposed to be the king?" Mm. And I think it was almost as if that's put there as a reminder of like, "No, the Lord chose Saul. Mm. You didn't go look for him and find him. The Lord found him yeah. and chose him." I think that would be the application there, even though we didn't get to it on Sunday, but. Mm. Anyways, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Yep. It was the longest message I've done in a while. In a while. Um, I'm just trying to creep up to 45 minutes. <laughs> and then we'll get to 50, 55, and then no one will come anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The, children, the children's ministry will riot. Uh, right. Oh, that's probably true. It is probably true. Yeah, people don't realize that. I think people that are like, "We want longer messages." I'm like, I get it. I mean, we you want to hear the word, but just in our current cultural climate, 
them kids are going to lose it. They're going to yeah. burn that place down back there. <laughs> Our volunteers can't handle it. Yeah. You know, there's just a limit. <laughs> so you can only feed your kids so many snacks. Yeah, we're out of snacks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jason, why must there be evidence of a changed life? I'm going to look this up. Hold on. Let me read this verse. Can I read the... I'll just read the NIV. Can I do NIV? Can we do NIV? Which version? Let's do the King James version. Let's do King James. That'll be fun. That's not that different. And this one, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, which I should have memorized since it's a song and kids have it memorized. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, mm-hmm. peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temper, temperament, ter- temperament, temperance. <laughs> oh Against the, such there is no law. I think um, part of that evidence of a changed life is evidence of the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the fruits of the Spirit, you don't have the Spirit. And as we've already covered, <laughs> you're not saved. Um, nope. But I think we need to be careful in how we view that because we are so quick, especially with other people. We all become fruit inspectors. We're like, you're like, well, they don't have this. I don't see fruit right now in their life. They're probably not saved or they've got that, but you know, they need more fruit in this area. It's like everyone becomes a fruit inspector and I'm like, that's not the point. Like that, that's not the point. (laughs) I mean, you could, you could say at the end of someone's life and let's just say at some point they were baptized. They did have, it seemed at the time like they had a genuine conversion, but you're Mm -hmm. just not sure. And at the end of their life, you're like, We've all been there. I think we've all been to a funeral where you're like, this person, absolutely. Like, if they're not in heaven, I'm not going to. You know, like, yeah. there's no way I can get there. Um, yeah. Which I know goes against the whole <laughs> Jesus thing. It was just a joke, guys. Um, but I think at the end of someone's life, you're like, you know, there, there was so much fruit, you know. Like, it was evident that they loved Jesus and... And followed his word. And then there's others that you're like, I just not, I'm not sure. You know, yeah. they, um, it seemed like they professed faith at some point, but, um, you know, I'm not going to go in, in a funeral and say like, <laughs> sorry guys, sorry guys. I, you know, after talking with the family and in, <laughs> inspecting some of the fruit, uh, I need to share that the bad news, you know, like I just don't know. And no right. one else does. Correct. Um, but I would like to say, too, the evidence of a changed life is evidence of, did you keep the faith? Hmm. That's stronger than, like, how, you know, the changed life is, how good you were here and there. Um, it's Did you keep the faith? Did you hold fast to the faith? Hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, that produces those good works. Uh, so hold fast to the faith, not hold fast to being... Uh, this perfect version, a better of version of your previous self. Yeah. Uh, yep. That could have been a longer answer, but for you, Chris, what does it mean to pick up your cross every day? Um, all right. So to carry a cross in Jesus's day meant death, a death by a crucifixion, 
the Romans would force convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion, as we see in the crucifixion story. Um, so one must be willing to die in order to follow Jesus, uh, dying to self in absolute surrender to God. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think there's... Oh, sorry. I'm not... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not done. Away. I have one more thing. It's a, just a verse. Uh, Matthew 16, 25, which I think you mentioned during the sermon, for whoever would save his life will lose it. This is the other end of it. Yeah. Um, so, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it... Um, and I'll tie in... Well... I'll, t- I'll answer that in the next question. Okay. Uh, the next question is for you. Can you be saved and spend your life doing whatever you want? <laughs> Let me first say no. Um, I'll, say, I'll first say no in the sense that whatever you want in the flesh, absolutely not. Um Picking up your cross every day is this idea that you're you're choosing to die to yourself, mm-hmm. your own desires. Um, it's not like you don't pick up your cross and you're like, I'm going to be a real good Christian today. It's, no, I'm choosing today to not live for myself. I'm choosing to live for Christ and for others. And you might have to make that decision a hundred times during that day, you know? Um, That's true. And some days you don't even think about it, you know? It's just, um, there's been plenty of seasons in my life where you're just living your life and maybe going through the motions and you have to stop and say, like, I'm not living for Christ. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a moment of repentance in that. Um, But I'll also say, can you... Be saved and spend your life doing whatever you want. I think the idea, hopefully, is that as you've become a new creation, your wants change. Yeah. Your desires change. They should. Um, that does. It's. It's well. What do you want? Well, now my wants are what God wants, mm-hmm. and so I want to spend time with Him. I want to read His Word. I want yeah. to pray. I want to serve the church. Um, and so I think it's, in many ways, you should be doing whatever you want because your wants have now lined up as a new creation in Christ. Now you have to really second, second, not guess, second guess yourself. Man, I'm struggling today. Is it second guess? That's the same. Yeah. Second guess yourself. That just sounds so stupid when I say it into a mic. Okay. Well, anyways. Maybe some self-reflection. <laughs> when you find yourself in a moment of, I'm living for myself, like, why? Why, mm-hmm. why are you at that point? Um, the answer is not, I need to do better. The answer is, I need to repent and line up what I want with yeah. what God wants. Yeah. So, in, abs- in some ways, absolutely not. You can't do whatever you want your entire life. And be saved. There's just no evidence of that anywhere in Scripture. Um, I think there's strong evidence, and I'm sure I'll bring it up eventually in a sermon. There's strong evidence that no, you, you you can shipwreck your faith and walk away from the faith 
um, and you will not be saved. That was actually the conclusion of the sermon. Yeah. All right, let's do a summary point. Can God save or not? It's, God can save anyone. That's not a question. God can save anyone. It's a statement. Did the why did the worthless men doubt in verse twenty seven? Uh, simple answer is that Saul that Saul could save them. They doubted it, but um, read it. I mean, it's. I was like, well, that's too simple of an answer. So I kind of looked into it. I looked again. A lot of commentaries uh, labeled these men as the children of Belial. Mm-hmm. Uh, my study Bible actually had a note reference back referencing back to First Samuel two twelve which was now the sons of Eli uh, were worthless men that did not know the Lord. Um, The commentaries went on to say that these were probably leaders that were displeased uh, with a king being picked from the tribe of Benjamin. And um, in verse 27, it says they brought him no gifts, and it was almost as uh, the same thing as ignoring his authority, Saul's authority. Yeah, I think it's clear they had some issues with... Saul being Saul. Yeah. Um, and even as I read that passage, so Samuel just gets done saying, the Lord chose Saul. And even before that, Samuel is trying to tell them, like, the Lord took you out of, of Egypt. The yeah. Lord is your Savior. He chose Saul. And they're like, ah, he's not going to You know? <laughs> And they're like, I think the whole point was like, you're li- you're you don't believe that the Lord can save you. He's done all of this. If the Lord's involved, you'll yeah. be all right. Yeah. And these guys, to your point, there's a lot more to just when we see that word worthless. Um, yeah. They just didn't believe in the Lord, um, and likewise didn't believe in Saul. So. All right. Uh, so why can only God save? Because he's God. Right. <laughs> Might drop. I would say for salvation, uh, I mentioned like what's what's you and I's biggest problem? Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to do a, a deduction of reasoning here, like what's what's our biggest problem before God? Um, there's a separation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a sin problem. Yep. But I think when you take that to the end, it's, and I mentioned it on Sunday, like sin's fun. Like any, I hate, especially growing up in church, I hated this idea when people were like, well, sin, sin can ruin your life. And I'm like, it can, but there's a lot of people that live in sin and do well and have a wonderful life, <laughs> you know? And they just seem like they seem like they're doing better than most Christians I know. Like, quit mm-hmm. peddling this lie that sin isn't a blast at times. In many ways, can get you pretty far in life. I think David mentions that in the Psalms. Like, he's just tired of the wicked thriving when he's not, yeah. you know? So, the bigger problem is that that sin is a debt payment that's going to be paid by either the wrath of God or the righteousness of Christ. So... I think the when we talk about like why can only God save because the wrath of God will be poured out on unbelievers and who can fix that problem 
who's going to stop God? It's God. <laughs> <laughs> if you believe in the supremacy of God and that there's not someone else out there, they'd be like, well, I can take care of that, mm-hmm. you know, or how no. dumb we are, how foolish we are. We think, well, I can take care of that. If, if God's wrath is going to be poured out, who's going to be able to stop God from doing that? Only God. God can. And that's why Christ came. Mm-hmm. So his, the, the wrath of God was poured out on Christ, who is God. And then Christ gives us his righteousness. It's, I don't think I just heard that a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. I think you just hear, you're a sinner, Jesus forgives your sins. <laughs> and then you feel bad for him because you're like, well, I'm a loser. I can't believe he had to die for me. You just you just missed all of this this reality of the cross like the wrath was poured out on Christ mm-hmm. and not only are you forgiven which I heard Stephen Lawson share this which was helpful like being forgiven paying your debt means that your bank account is zero you're still zero the gospel is that Christ gives you his righteousness, that theological word he imputes. He gives you righteousness. Now, not only are you not going to get God's wrath, your bank account's full of his righteousness. So why yeah. can only God save? Because, um, you know, he's God. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. That's my answer. If only God can save... What part do we play among our unbelieving friends and family? I'll say a very, a very small part. <laughs> no, I mean we can, we can pray for our unbelieving friends and family. We can, we can share the gospel with them. We can share our testimony with them. I mean, we can lead them to or introduce them to Christ, but we we can't save them. Um, I mean, there are some things that we can do, but at, at the end of the day, so I say we have a very small part or. I would say we would have whatever part God wants us to have in that process. What, right. um, yeah. I mean, thinking through what I yeah, I shared, and like, if you if you truly believe that um, from Scripture, that God's wrath will be poured out on the unrighteous, that really that I mean that messes with you, especially with those you love. Mm-hmm. And I think any parent, yeah. any grandparent, any good friend thinks, well, what can I do about that? And um, but again, like, are you, you can't, like, what are you going to do? Are you, how are you going to stop God's wrath coming at your friend or your son or your daughter or grandchild? And that's, that's tough. But I think the one thing you can do is pray. And the one thing you can do is share the gospel with them, which is, no Super Bowl questions, yeah. no sports <laughs> questions. We're just ending the podcast with the gospel question. So we're done with the normal stuff. But um, with all that in mind, like, what do you think the best way to share the gospel is? By doing this podcast? <laughs> oh, no. Um, people I'm reaching. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, don't get me started. Like, when COVID, I felt so bad. In COVID, all of these like real small churches, like I mean, we're a small church. Yeah. All these churches are like, we're reaching Africa. <laughs> we're reaching parts of Germany with our live stream. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, these are all algorithms. I promise you, 
I mean, I'm not saying that that can't happen. I'm just like, don't look at those stats that they're throwing at you on YouTube analytics or <laughs> and thinking you're changing the world. It's just, these are just numbers, guys. Right. It shows you view count. They might have watched for 10 seconds. <sighs> All right. Well, I'm since just, you shut that answer down, ahead. if Go you ahead. shut that answer down, then I guess we would have to do it by living a godly life. Yep. Um, sharing our testimony with the way we live. Um, you're going to have to spend time with non-believers. Um, share your story with non-believers. Um, you have to be available, I think, too, uh, would be a good way. And you have to be visible. Yeah, I, those are all great things. I think the, um, the, the simple answer is just do it. When mm-hmm. we talk about gospel, good news, the gospel... Jesus died for you. Jesus came back from the dead. Like, are you sharing that with anyone? Um, I mean, of course we need to be a good example. Of course we need to be loving and kind to people. But as the we started at the beginning, like, are you just painting um, for people? Uh, and I've been guilty of this. Like, I think people, as they get to know me, when I worked outside of the church... Mm. People are like, well, I could relate to the Jesus that he follows because I can relate to him. And I'm like, yeah, but do you want to repent of your sin? (laughs) You know, it's just like you have to get to the gospel at some point. Um, But I'm very much like highly relational anyways. I think not that you can't stand on a street corner, not that I can't share the gospel on a Sunday, but that one-on-one relational conversation is the best and this is just a tip as we end here like how do you do that um this is something i started doing and then i heard other people were doing it and everyone has their they have their own like methodology with this Mm -hmm. but i think mine's very simple (laughs) so these are three words you have to memorize and then then you can go for it you do creation, fall, redemption. Mm-hmm. That's it. Creation, fall, redemption. And everyone that has ever existed on this planet has an opinion about those three words. Right. So I often, especially in a conversational tone, someone that you're not sure what they believe, um, maybe they're in church, out of church, I don't know. You can go through those three words and just listen to them. Like, what? Do you, I mean, hey... How do you think we got here? Like, yeah. what's, what do you understand about creation? Um, do you believe in the Big Bang? Do you believe we evolved over time? Do you believe it was millions of years, thousands of years? Like, what? How do you view creation? And just listen. Don't interrupt them. Don't like be like, yeah, but Ken Ham says <laughs> like, just listen to them. Yeah. Just listen to them. Their view of creation. Listen to the fall. Mm-hmm. So you can say, hey, man, do you think everything in this world right now is going pretty well? And everyone's going to say no. <laughs> and you'd be like, well, why do you think that? Like, what do you think our biggest problem is right now? What's, what is, like, why are there earthquakes happening? Why are people killing each other? Is it gun control? Like, do we need more gun? Like, just listen to people. Listen to how they view what's wrong with 
the, what's going on. And then redemption, be like, what's your answer to that? So we go through, all right, what, like, what's wrong with the world right now? Right. What do you think's wrong with it? And then you tell me, how would you fix it? What do you think the answer is? And I, people want to talk. Like, they, they will, I promise you, they have an opinion about all of the, those three words. Yeah. And at the end, you can just say, all right, can I share where I would land on those three things? And that's your opportunity to talk about creation, the fall um, with sin, and yeah. the redemption that can only come through Christ. And th- those are gospel conversations. But it's so, it's so easy because it's not... It's easy to memorize. You don't have to. Of course, you can do Romans Road. You can memorize verses. All of those things are great. <laughs> but if you can memorize those three words, ask those questions, and just listen to someone, mm-hmm. you're good to go. Yep. Um, and then whether they want to, they can hear that and be like, man, that's life-changing. Then you can move and just say, well, you know, you want to believe in Christ? <laughs> you know, like the... I, I think maybe the biggest issue with sharing the gospel is we never attempt to seal the deal. Um, mm-hmm. I, at least I haven't. I'm like, well, that was good enough. God will get them. And you just say, like, just ask the simple question, like, do you believe? Would you want to pray? And just do it. I mean, most people are, we sit here and talk about, like, the best way to share the gospel. And people are like, I've, either I've never shared the gospel, I haven't done it in years. I'm like, well, just do it. You know, mm. that's the best way. Yeah. Um, so creation, fall, redemption. I'll write a book about it. It's called the Bible. <laughs> bestseller. It's a bestseller. It's great. <laughs> I know. He gets us. He does. <laughs> you want to pray? I think I've prayed for the last two weeks. I think it's your turn, friend. All right. It's an hour in. Let's pray. I got to go wow. home. God, thank you so much uh, for uh, your church and thankful for Chris and his uh, time and commitment uh, to not only prepare but to record. And we're thankful for your word just to wrestle through these things and uh, go a little deeper into the passage from Sunday. Uh, but I'll also wrestle, wrestle with some questions that, um, that a lot of us might might ask and so god give us grace in all of this god we look forward to gathering sunday and continuing to study your word and we pray these things in your son's name amen amen